Welcome to another edition of the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. We are recording this on the night of the first round of the NFL Draft. We'll hit on the draft next week once every round is wrapped up. But we've heard a couple of names called on night one from Alabama, including Quinnen Williams, Brad, going third overall to the Jets. It was not that long ago we had Aaron Suttles on the show, and we were asking him if Quinnen Williams nationally was the most under-recognized or, or under-appreciated superstar of the Nick Saban era. Yeah, it's crazy not only how fast time has flown, but how quick reality became for him and now his NFL career. I was listening to the NFL radio coverage uh, on my drive a minute ago, and I heard Quinnen being interviewed, and he even said, look, you know, seven, eight months ago, I didn't even know if I was going to start at Alabama. So to be drafted number three overall to the New York Jets is absolutely the greatest moment of my life. I mean, we were, what, seven games into the season when we asked Aaron that? That was, yeah. like, LSU week? Yeah, and, leading and then, up. Yeah, and then he blew up during that game and became, like, a household name overnight. I mean, it was crazy, man, because I don't know how to describe the grow-up that and the glow-up that this guy has had. I, I haven't seen anything like that in Alabama under Nick Saban. Uh, can, I, can, I, can I complain for – like, I have a draft pet peeve. this is like totally unrelated but if you're like me and you are emotionally invested in the draft like you spend all day waiting for it to start okay tonight just like every other year it starts and the cardinals were on the clock they get 10 minutes to make their pick why do the cardinals need their full 10 minutes to make their draft pick like they they've literally they let the clock run down to nearly zero before roger goodell walked out and announced the pick so they've known they've had the first pick in the draft since january Okay, it's almost May. Shouldn't Roger Goodell be able to walk out and announce the start of the draft with the Cardinals envelope in his hand? Like, then the draft should start with the 49ers 10 minutes on the clock. Yeah, no, look, I get it. It's almost kind of like them being petty to make everybody wait. But I also think in some former years, and you could make a case for the Cardinals this year, of any team that holds the number one overall pick, they're probably using that 10 minutes to get in those last couple shots of Jaeger and hope they're doing the right thing (laughs) to not have the number one pick again next year. So Yeah, I was thinking like maybe it's for TV or media purposes, but like they've all been talking about the Cardinals pick ad nauseum for months. So I don't think that the extra few minutes of listening to like Mel Kuyper is that riveting but you know I digress yeah no I mean I I agree but I guess they wanted to drain the last bit of energy they could out of everybody over this Kyler Murray shit so that's probably what that was (laughs) all I know is when I have the first pick in my uh, fantasy football draft that name is on the board instantly yeah, and all I know is if I'm ever in a fantasy football draft and people take 10 minutes per pick, the full 10 <laughs> minutes, we're throwing hands. <laughs> all right, so the big news this week, and we all know by now, Nick Saban recently had a hip replacement surgery, Brad. That's what they call it. <laughs> like, Okay, so don't you have to be the Nick Saban of hip replacements to perform Nick Saban's hip replacement? Tell me what that doctor's greatest claim to fame is now outside of that. I mean, there's nothing that's going to top that. Yeah, and the stakes are high there, right? So mm-hmm. this is the most important hip in the state of Alabama, clearly. And there are only two outcomes here. You are either hero or villain after this surgery. <laughs> imagine, I was thinking about this. Imagine spending four years getting your bachelor's degree. Then you go, you go to four years of medical school, right? It, depending, yeah. Okay. Then like, what, seven years? changes but it's, yeah. you can spend up to like seven years in a residency program mm-hmm. right okay imagine doing all that just to be the guy that broke nick saban <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's your legacy forever 
yeah, I hope you had a good life insurance policy. <laughs> but luckily, uh, Dr. Benton Emblem came through under pressure. Coach Saban, look, he's, he's flaunting his bionic hip. Yeah, he never has to market himself again. I can promise you that. <laughs> Did you read the, his quote on Wednesday? Uh, he, he told the Tuscaloosa News, quote, I had one day on the walker. Now I'm on the cane. I'll probably throw that SOB away tomorrow, end quote. I mean, my dad is just a man of quotes, and, uh, you know, that might be the first one of his I actually get tattooed on my body because how great it was. <laughs> yeah, and I saw, uh, I guess, Julio Jones came in Thursday to make a visit. Uh, Nick Saban still had a little bit of a limp, but for someone, you know, that just had their hip replaced, he seemed to be moving around pretty pretty well. So Yeah, 48 hours after he was put under. So Is that going to be used against him in recruiting? Oh, I can promise. Look, George's G Day was the, uh, this past weekend. I can guarantee you, when the news came out Thursday, Monday, Kirby's all, got all these four and five star guys talking about, hey, look, that man got his ass kicked in the national championship game. He can't even have a good hip anymore. Like, don't go there. Come here. I've got a good hip. Want to see me do some box jumps? Like, I promise you, he was pulling out all the cards. But. I mean, I think we've talked about before how Saban's going to be more motivated this year because of the way last year ended. He knows what he's dealing with on the recruiting trail with his age being used against him at 67 and now with a new hip. Yeah, he's going to – I guarantee he's going to squash those things no problem when he tells uh, that recruit to pick up the basketball. Let's come outside real quick, play some (laughs) one-on-one. So that time of year has come where the NCAA playing rules oversight panel meets. They make their rule adjustments for the upcoming college football season. Uh, The two points of emphasis for them was the targeting rule, shocker, and overtime. I want to see if you like these rules. The new targeting rule, I think, will be a pretty significant change. I think we'll see less guys getting ejected, which in turn means less guys being suspended for half of their next game. LSU fans will be thrilled, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, But the quote is, instant replay officials will be directed to examine all aspects of the play and confirm the targeting foul when all elements of targeting are present. If any element of targeting cannot be confirmed the replay official will overturn the targeting foul. There will be no option for letting the call letting the call on the field stand during a targeting review. It must either be confirmed or overturned, end quote. No, I think that's a smart change to the rule, and I'm glad they continue to evolve this targeting rule in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I heard Andy Staples the other day on the radio say when this rule was announced that it's not as widespread effective as you would think. He used last season for an example, and he said about 10% of the targeting calls last year would have been overturned by this rule because they were just left as the call on the field stands. Yeah, so basically there has to be a definitive target on video when they go to the replay. Like, if there's any gray area at all, they will not let the call on the field stand. So the call on the field has no bearing, really, on what the final call is, like it kind of does for the other calls. Uh, They're also cracking down on the repeat offenders. Players who commit three targeting fouls in the same season will receive a one-game suspension. I guess in a sense that's that's good, mainly because you can't, have a gray area uh, if you get three uh, penalties against you for targeting in one season now that they took the option to leave it as the call on the field stands. Yeah, a lot of people complain about the targeting rules, and, and rightly so at times. But I like the fact that your your third one, you have to sit a game. Because, I mean, look, all these studies and, and all these medical studies and, and tests and everything, a lot of these guys in the later parts of their life are suffering with with head injuries and CTE and, and whatever it may be. I'm not opposed to keeping these guys safe, especially this early in their career. 
no, I mean, again, I mean, it, it would be different if they were doing the wrong thing. And for this now second or third revision to the rules since its first year, when there was not even an option to review the call, they've come a long way and they've continued to change it in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. Um, they also tweaked overtime rules. If a game reaches its fifth overtime, teams will run alternating two-point plays rather than offensive possessions starting at the 25. I'll take a wait-and-see approach to this, but I think I might like it. I kind of like the do-or-die scenario with like everything hinging on one play for both teams. Yeah, and they threw in a little two-minute rest period between the second and fourth overtimes leading up to that fifth one if it gets there. Uh, look, you got to do something to keep that entertainment there when it gets to, you know, say the fifth or sixth overtime. Now, I will say I was not upset that LSU and Texas A&M went to seven last year. I thought it was entertaining as hell, but there were some people out there who just loved to not like things, and they weren't happy with it. Is that that game, like, do you think that's the sole reason this rule changed? No, but I think it gave them a good opportunity to go back and revisit some possible changes. Plus, the NFL also talking about some rule changes with overtime. I think they took a step back and said, okay, well, what could we do different? Yeah, yeah. I also think this is a player safety thing, too, because look, in that LSU Texas A&M game, they were gassed. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they, did, they did not belong on a football field at that point. No, not at all. Either way, I, I kind of like both of those rules. We'll kind of see how they play out. We may not even get a five-overtime game next year. I mean, it, this could be a situation where we have to wait a couple, a couple of years to see that unfold. No, I, I agree. And, you know, there was one other uh, slight change they had talked about, too, with the rules. So they're going to now start calling 15-yard uh, penalty personal fouls against blindside blocks. Uh, starting this season. So blindside block, they said, is if a quarterback leaves the pocket, talking about quarterbacks with this rule example, they said if a quarterback leaves the pocket and he's untouched uh, for one full second, any blindside hit or block by his offensive lineman, tight end, whomever, uh, will then be that personal foul penalty. So, again, I, that might be the start of how the targeting rule was in the beginning. I don't know if they're going to review those uh, personal foul penalties uh, for a blindside block, but that is something to consider because, I mean, hell, you go back and look at the uh, Georgia Southern game against Alabama last year, and Quentin Williams got you know absolutely blocked uh, blindsided as well. Yeah, that could affect some of those teams like that like the Georgia Southerns of the world, the triple option teams and whatever. I feel like that's good. that's a rule that we're all going to be complaining about in September. And then well, yeah. the, when this panel meets again next year, there's going to be adjustments. And, and just like the targeting rule, it may take them a few years to get this right. Absolutely. You know, I wish they would do what the AAF did and have a, you know, replay official in the booth who has no contact with anyone on the field or in a certain conference office. He has a headquarters that he deals with directly and has everything in front of him and you get to listen in as they're making those decisions. I think that would be so perfect for the NCAA as well. All right, Brad, before we take a commercial break, I think you had a message. Yeah, so I wanted to stop for a second and give a shameless plug. Uh, I had a chance to join this week a guy named Colton Denning. He hosts the Two Stripes podcast. It's a Ohio State podcast. And it wasn't by my reaching out to him that I wanted to talk with an Ohio State guy. But I will say, Colton gives a good name for them. Uh, I had a chance to sit down with him and break down the upcoming season, all things Alabama football. And I wanted to give a plug to his podcast. He's very knowledgeable. He's entertaining as hell. And he's doing a series right now of all the national college football teams uh, and doing a season outlook. So you can find it on Apple Podcast or SoundCloud. Just search the Two Stripes podcast and give it a listen. All right, Brad, the college basketball corruption trial has started, and football was briefly drug into the mud during 
this uh, Lewis Mark Blazer testimony. Uh, Blazer basically named off a list of schools, including Alabama, where he paid players to sign with him when they turned pro. Uh, basically, he's a runner, which is it's extremely hard to police for any program. But it's also important to note that he said this was between the years 2000 and 2014. The NCAA statute of limitations is four years. So I think they probably turn a blind eye to this. Yeah, you know, the only way uh, that four-year window of statute of limitations could be expanded is if it was proven to be rampant and known and covered up. Um, and I don't think you're going to find that in Alabama. But also at the same time, in a jest manner, I believe that if you think he is the only bag man at Alabama, <laughs> boy, do I got some news for you. Uh, don't ever look into Tosh Lupoy and uh, you know see what he was doing behind the scenes. Also, as this pertains to Alabama, this is thought to be the incident with Marcel Darius in 2010. Uh, if you don't remember, Darius was suspended for a couple games at Alabama. He had to reimburse someone like $1,700 for two trips to Miami. So all of that would be pretty good news for Alabama. One, because it's potentially an issue that was already addressed with a suspension and reimbursement nine years ago. And two, even if it's not that particular incident, it's still outside of the NCAA statute of limitations. I don't think there's a whole lot to worry about in Tuscaloosa. On Thursday, though, they did have Coach Yaw for the for the basketball team on tape saying some pretty interesting stuff about uh, how Alabama has resources for basketball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we uh... – I guess we really wanted John Petty. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> hey, uh, okay, so I'm totally – I'm on board with that. I'm on board what? with the basketball program. Drop bags. Give Like, give these kids whatever they – everybody is doing this. I've, no, co- I've coached in AAU. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen this go down. Like, AAU is so dirty. I mean, everybody already knows this. Some of these top kids, you're going to have to come out of pocket for them. Straight up. Do it. Just don't get caught. And, you know, going back to the football side of this, uh, you said, you know, this is good news for Alabama, possibly. You know who else it's good news for? And that's Sports Illustrated because they get to publish that damn article. They they publish every freaking year about the 2009 or 10 or 12, whatever. I forget what year it is. They just they take an eight-year-old article about an Alabama player possibly getting $1,200 and republish it every year. So I automatically expect to see that. I'm shocked I haven't yet. Uh, and then, you know, with Coach Yaw, if uh, bags were being dropped, uh, I just wonder uh, why we still didn't get a couple other bigger guys last year. Uh, if we're going down, I wanted to be- make sure we're going down, you know, for a good reason. <laughs> so I wonder how this works. Okay, so say Coach Yaw paid – we'll just throw a name out there, Zion Williamson. Say Coach Yaw was like, hey, I want Zion to come to Alabama. I'm going to give him $10,000 in hopes that he comes to Alabama. Let's say a guy like Zion takes that $10,000 from Alabama. Well, then he ends up signing with Duke. Like, wow. what, what, isn't that a bad situation to be in for Coach Al? Like, okay, we gave you this $10,000, but there's really nothing you can do about yeah. it. Like, you can't say, hey, I gave him $10,000 and he didn't sign with us. And let's just say if uh, if Memphis doesn't get in a certain recruit this year, that, that might actually be happening. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll probably hit on that next week. <laughs> Not looking good on the Trenton Watford front for Alabama. Uh, I think it's probably time for everyone to move on with that. Yeah. So uh, also, you saw who got mentioned today as well, and that's the uh, the coach who only does things the right way, mm. uh, and that's up there in uh, you know Auburn with the Lake, South Carolina. So Clemson football was referenced in FBI reporting that was played in court today that mentioned uh, the uh, the guy on trial with one of the assistant coaches on the basketball team. 
uh, saying, you know, look, we, we got it done the right way here at Clemson. How do you think the football team is where it's at? So uh, between that and, and the unknown substances that somehow the players you know got busted for last December, I'm just shocked. I, I can't believe Dabo is not doing things the right way. Uh, honestly, I think this is so big and so rampant and with so many schools that the NCAA is just going to do nothing. Like they would just let they would just rather this go away. You know, give it a month, nobody will remember it. Absolutely. But I mean, hell, NCAA, they literally have a pinwheel they spin for a punishment on any type of, you know, <laughs> allegations or, you know, violations because they are literally the most bipolar organization I've ever seen in my life, especially with the, also these transfer waivers, too. Can, I'm going to go way off track here, like way, way off track, because I just said, you know, they they hope that it would go away. Something popped in my mind. Did you see Leonard Fournette <laughs> on Easter? Yeah, I did. Okay. I, like I said, this is this is way off beat here, but for those who did not see it, uh, Leonard Fournette basically posted a picture on Twitter of himself on Easter, photoshopped as Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And it said, and, and it said he is risen, but it's like literally a picture of Jesus with Leonard Fournette's face instead of Jesus's face. Yeah, I really didn't get his end game there. I was trying to figure out what the hell he's thinking. What? what how do you think that that's possibly a good idea? What do you think went through his agent's mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, all I know is Jesus would have rushed for more than 31 yards against Alabama. Uh, well, you know, that is a point. Jesus didn't get freaking laid out by Reuben Foster. So, <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, yeah, I don't even know why I thought of that. But lastly, to wrap this up, we have kind of a fun segment we were thinking of. We know Game of Thrones has started. I'm sure most of you watch Game of Thrones. If you do not watch Game of Thrones, do it. Stick with it. And if you don't and you don't want to watch it, please don't be the one to sit there on social media bragging about how you'll never watch the show. You've never <laughs> seen a second of it because let me tell you, I got a rocket you can get your ass on and go to the sun in. All right. What we wanted to, the, the question that we wanted to pose is which Game of Thrones character is Nick Saban? So, Brad, what, what are you going with? Yeah, and before we give our answers, we want you guys to be thinking of it, and we'd love to get your feedback, whether on Twitter or in the comments, uh, who you would uh, say Nick Saban is on Game of Thrones, and also maybe some other characters you think could be different coaches throughout uh, the NCAA or even coaches at Alabama. So I'm going the obvious one just based on the portrayal of Nick Saban you know, nationally. Everyone likes to think he's this evil person who can't stand his players and uh, you know, does nothing good for them. And to me, the the Night King is the most obvious selection. And it's also because, you know, the Night King has an army. Why? He raises them from the dead. Well, what does Nick Saban do every year, it seems like, with this dynasty? It's dead every year, so he keeps rising it from the dead with each successful year he has. So, to me, that's the best fit. I had to narrow this down. Okay, so, of course, it had to be, like, one of the leaders or kings or, you know, one of those main few characters that, like, one of the rulers. So, the first ruler was Robert Baratheon. He is not Robert Baratheon. Nick Saban's reign would never be ended by the hogs, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so, Nick Saban is the mother of dragons. He built his army from the ground up. He's viewed both favorably and as, like, an evil entity by outsiders. The players he brings in give him this unfair advantage that the, the dragons give Daenerys. So, you know, basically Julio Jones is one of the dragons. Okay. Uh, and in the end, one, one is the greatest ruler on the show, in my opinion, and the other is the greatest ruler in the history of the sport. So Nick Saban is the mother of dragons. All right, I can go with it. Do you, ha- you have any other random characters? 
<laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think uh, the season one through five version of Tyrion when he was still uh, a wild philanthropist, shall we say, uh, I think that Steve Sarkeesian prior to this stand at Alabama, let's leave it at that, or you can even say Lane Kiffin. If you watch Game of Thrones, you should get that comparison. Uh, what about you? You got anybody uh, you're thinking about? Yeah, Lane is definitely Tyrion because he's so entertaining. Oh, man, this is tough. Who, who's who's like silent in the background that doesn't get uh, as much recognition? Oh, Littlefinger. Okay, mm. so Littlefinger would be like Scott Cochran, right? Kind of has well, his hands in everything. Well, I think that would be more Varys because Littlefinger was actually, he was trying to put people against each other or screw them over. But that's Varys true, is true. more connected and in everything. So we'll, we'll do that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with that. Any other randoms? You know, I, it's funny. We thought about this segment last night uh, because I, I just realized we actually made a Game of Thrones reference to a player back on National Signing Day episode uh, where we were talking about it. Big Evan Neal coming in as a true freshman. <laughs> um, and we, you know, I actually compared him to the mountain. Yeah. Well. There you go. I mean, the mountain is big Evan Neal, and if you haven't seen Evan Neal, believe me, you thought DJ Fluker was big, you got a DJ Fluker 2.0. I think Evan Neal might get some PT this year. I think so, too, as well. I know uh, he was on the rotation, so uh, and if we need good players anywhere, it's that offensive line. Who's our Jon Snow? Who's the lovable hero of Alabama? Oof, man. And somebody that's went down that, you know, people hated to see and then came back. Uh, so it's got to be Tua. All right. This has been the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. Roll Todd.